I did not. I was snow blowing at 5 a.m. this morning. <laughs> well, I'm glad for those who are here, and uh, I hope I hope the I don't I don't believe there's anybody that we missed as far as the texts and emails and phone calls that that were made. I don't think I made any phone calls, but texts and emails. Uh, but uh, we did make sure that we reached out to, to everybody that we had your contact information. Um, 2020 has been an interesting year. Uh, it, it's it's been. I heard I read something uh, that uh, Becky had posted, um, uh, waiting for the other shoe to drop. Uh, hasn't 2020 felt like that? Just waiting for the next thing to to happen. And I I, I thought this was interesting. I saw this. It says 2020 is like waiting for the next shoe to drop, sitting in a shoe store in the middle of an earthquake. It's just, it's like one thing after another that it never seems to stop. Um, there's, there just seems to be uncertainty in all that's going to happen. I can remember when, when they first told us that we, had this, we weren't allowed to meet. You know, what are we going to do? How, how, are we going to, how are we going to be able to worship the Lord? I can, the, different, the different things that begin to happen in 2020. And, and uh, it's just uncertain times. People are, are uncertain of what they're going to do. You know, they're still they're business owners. They're still struggling. Businesses are closing. Uh, people are losing money. or are not able to take care of them, their, themselves or their families. And it's, just, it's a struggle. And today we're going to look at how we can have hope in uncertain times. Because it's, it's, it's not really about the times that we're facing. Listen, there have always been uncertain times. And... and in America, we are blessed beyond measure. We need to understand that and not forget that. That there are other places and other cultures that are going through even more uncertain times than we are right now. They're dealing with the same pandemic, but they don't have food on their tables. Uh, they, they, they're, 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 they're struggling and all, all the other things that are going on in their own lives are being persecuted as Christians. It's, it's amazing the, 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 the danger there is. But it's, it, this isn't unprecedented. There have always been, we may not have been had a global pandemic like this before that, that, we, that we can remember, uh, but it's, there have always been uncertain times, especially for God's people. If you go back into, if you look at Luke chapter 2, uh, what we're seeing here, what we're seeing in the beginning of this, uh, of, the, of the, the chapter is in the birth of Christ. But and before the Gospels, before Matthew, uh, which talks about the the, the life, uh, the four Gospels talk about the the life of, and the death and the resurrection of Christ. Before that, there's a period of time where Israel is just uncertain. At the, at the end of the Old Testament, they had been invaded by the Babylonians. Uh, uh, they, 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 the Chaldeans had come in and uh, de destroyed the temple. They uh, broke down the wall. They had taken many of the, of the people, killed many others. And there was just a, a skeleton a, a group of people that were left there in Israel. And, and the rest were all taken away or killed. And, and a, after that period of time, and you read about it, and it's not quite the end of, of what we hear about in Scripture, uh, but uh, after that period of time, uh, uh, Ezra goes back and re begins to rebuild the temple. And then Nehemiah goes back and rebuilds the wall. But there, after all that takes place, there's 400 years of, of silence in Scripture. We have from, from the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament. It's, and now it's not that God didn't speak to individuals, but God didn't reveal himself uh, completely uh, to, to, to Israel as a nation or, or to us. And it's 400 years of silence. But it's not, it's not 400 years that, that nothing was going on. 
In that 400 years, uh, the, uh, the, the, the nation of Israel, they, they, were, they were overrun by the Babylonians, then by the Persians, uh, then by the Greeks, and then by the Romans. And that's where we find ourselves here, where, where Rome was in control of, of Israel. Uh, they have, they've come in, they, uh, they, they set up their, uh, their own kind of judicial system uh, where they, they have uh, uh, the, Her- the Herodians, the, uh, the Herod being the governor of the area, and, and people have to go to him, and he would make, make judgments, and the, the Israelites were allowed to have some of their own laws. That's why the Sadducees and the Pharisees came into play about that time. They rose up uh, looking, trying to find some kind of political clout or power. Uh, but for the people of Israel, they, they, they weren't their own king. They didn't have their own king anymore. They didn't have their own leader anymore. They, uh, they were a, a, an Occupied people. Listen, can I tell you that that would be an uncertainty uh, in your day. Uh, you wouldn't know what's going on. You, uh, a Roman soldier could come by and do whatever he wanted to you. There's nothing you could do about it. They could take your home. They could take your money. They could take your life. They could do whatever they wanted. It's an uncertain time for the people of Israel at that at that period of time. But it wasn't. They weren't a people without hope. Because the Old Testament is full of, of promises or of prophecy of, of a coming king. Uh, it, let's look at a few of these verses. Genesis chapter 22, verse 18. Uh, you don't have to turn. If we look, turn to all these verses, we'll never get there. 22, 18 uh, is, is the passage that tells us that, that all nations were going to be blessed uh, by the seed of Abraham. Now, uh, he's talking about the, the, the coming of Christ. Uh, we're all blessed, not just Israel, but every nation were to be blessed by, by, the, by the coming Savior who was going to be born. In, in uh, Isaiah chapter 11, 1, we're going to find that that king, that that, that that seed was going to come from the line of David. Uh, Jeremiah uh, 23, 5 and 6 tells us the same thing. It's, it's uh, that he would be a king in the line of David. Micah 5, 2, born of Judah... It tells us that the Messiah would be born in Judah, in Bethlehem. Isaiah 7, 14 tells us that he would be born of a virgin. Psalm chapter 72, verses 9 through 10, talks about the wise men coming from the east, bearing gifts uh, to, to bring and to worship at his feet. Jeremiah chapter 31, 15, uh, uh, talks about the, sl- the slaughter uh, that, that, that Herod's going to bring about amongst all the children uh, in Israel or in Israel when, uh, uh, when Jesus was born. Uh, if you look at the... Hosea chapter 11 and 1, it talks about how God is going to bring his son out of Egypt. And who's his son? Jesus. Was Jesus ever in Egypt? Where did, where did, where did Joseph hide when he was afraid of Herod in Egypt? All of these are promises that, that point to, or prophecies that point to, a coming king, a coming Messiah, who is one day, one day going to rule. Isaiah chapter 40 calls him the, the consolation of Israel, the comfort of Israel. In fact, Simeon, uh, that's what he's waiting for. We're going to read it in a moment, that he's been waiting for the, the consolation or the comfort or the rest to come to Israel. The people of Israel knew that God had promised that there was going to be a time when they didn't have a, another government over them, that they was going to have a, a king who was going to be born of the house and in the lineage of David, born in Bethlehem, born of a virgin, who would raise one day, raised up to become king of Israel once again, and that they would have rest from those that had conquered them, that they would have rest from all that had happened to them that they would be finally at peace and Simeon has been waiting for that and the people of Israel are waiting for that we'll look at Anna here later in the chapter she's waiting for looking for the redemption that Christ has to offer 
in the midst of all this turmoil, in the midst of, of not knowing what's going to happen next, they had hope. They had hope. Do you know, we, we can have hope today. In the midst of our uncertain times, that, that we can still have hope, just like Simeon and Anna did in the Old Testament. Do you know, uh, anybody who studied and read the Old Testament could have told them that there was going to be a king and he was going to be born, to, born uh, and that he was going to be born in Bethlehem because it was all there. Now let's just put this into perspective a little bit. These prophecies, we look at the Bible as a, as a, as a whole, right? These weren't written by one man at one, at one specific period of time. It wasn't like he wrote about these things in the Old Testament and then just turned to the next page. Now, God the Father did that through the Spirit and worked in, in, people's, worked in people. But there's, a, there's a hundreds of years of difference from the time that these prophecies were written the, the, to the time that Jesus fulfilled them. Think of that. When, when Isaiah wrote that, in, in, in Isaiah chapter 7, that, that Christ would be born of a virgin, he hadn't read, Matthew, or he hadn't led, read Luke chapter 2 yet. He didn't know that that was going to take place other than the fact that God had spoken to him and given him that information. They didn't know where he would be born other than the fact that God had given him that information. Centuries before. And Christ's birth was a fulfillment of those things. We're going to look at these two characters here. I want to go ahead and finish reading it. I just want you to know, just like they had hope, we can have hope. We're going to look at some characteristics and some things that they did that we can still do today, regardless of, regardless of our, the time period that we live in. Because the truth is, everybody needs hope. The Bible says this in Proverbs about hope. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. If you don't have any hope, uh, and you, you have somebody who is... is is, is just depressed and sad and ready to give up on, on life. You know why people commit suicide? Because they've lost all hope of anything ever getting better. You know why people uh, at times can't get out of bed because they're so overwhelmed with the problems? Because they don't see an answer to their problems. They, they've lost hope. I'm thankful that we can have hope even though our problems still surround us. And even though they, they still may overwhelm us and we don't have necessarily an answer to those problems, we can have hope in Jesus Christ. Now we need to understand one thing about hope. Hope in the Bible is different from hope that you or I might have. Sometimes we think of hope as a, as a general inclination of how I want things to happen or, or how I, I feel things should go. Uh, but that is not the way, you know, if you get news or you, you make an arrangement for uh, the cable guy to come to your house and, and they say, well, we, we'll be there sometime between, you know, 10 and, 10 and 5. We hope they're there. And guess what? They don't always show up. Uh, uh, hope, the way we look at hope is, I hope my package arrives from Amazon today. Guess what? There's a good chance it may not. Uh, uh, that, that's not what the Bible talks about, hope. In fact, the, we see here in verse... As we're looking at verse 25, there's a word here. It's used here. It's called Waiting. The word waiting, uh, it says that Simeon was waiting, that he was, a just, he was just and devout and waiting. That word waiting, it's another word for hope. Because the, 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 the Greek word that it comes from means to wait with expectation. 
What was he expecting? Simeon was expecting that the word of God, the prophecies of God, would one day be fulfilled. And he was expecting it to happen at any moment. Listen, there, there are prophecies, there are promises, there's the word of God, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but we can have hope, not necessarily in our circumstances, but we can have hope, and just like Simeon and Anna did. Let's go ahead, and I'm going to read this again, we're going to pray, and we're going to get into the message. This is verse 25, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the, uh, when the, the parent brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people, Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, of the daughter, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of the tribe of Asher, she was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity, and she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And she, coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in it, for redemption in Jerusalem. And when they performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee and to their own city, Nazareth. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for these two characters, Lord, these two uh, people that we can look at. Father, those who had faith, Lord, those who, uh, who had hope, Lord, uh, even in certain times, Lord, they, they, they trusted in you, Father. God, I pray that you'd help us, uh, Lord, to, to gain from, from, their, uh, from this passage of Scripture all that you would have for us. God, may you speak to our hearts. May you direct us. Lord, may you fill, fill me with your spirit. Lord, give me the very words you'd have me to say. Lord, may you bless those who are here to hear it. Lord, those that are at home, Lord, that, that listen to this uh, today or, or sometime in the future, God, may you bless it to their ears as well. Lord, as we, as we study your word, Lord, we need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We have here a couple of characters uh, that are mentioned uh, in the Christmas story. Now, the Christmas story is, uh, we look at the birth of Jesus Christ, uh, the, the coming of our Savior. But I want, to, I want us to look at a, at a couple things here, uh, because these characters, they've been waiting for it. Now, uh, going back to verse 25, uh, we, we, learn, we learn in these few verses everything about Simeon that the Bible has to tell us. And the same thing about Anna in the, towards there in verse there in the in verse uh, verse thirty seven thirty eight or thirty six through thirty eight we learn everything about Anna that the Bible has to tell us. So they're only mentioned a few verses in the Bible, uh, but but God says that they uh, has a, has a description of them that we're going to look at. And I want you to understand. I want, I want us to look at it uh, while the description, the words may be different. 
there's some likeness in their characteristics that they have that help them to have hope. Because the truth is we all want to have hope, amen? We don't want to be the ones that become overwhelmed. We don't want to be, uh, be, we don't want to be the ones that become, uh, uh, that become uh, uh, useless or, 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 or I don't want to say the word worthless because we're not, we're, we're, we have value, we're not worthless, but unproductive because, because of our inability to have hope. Because guess what? When you give up, you stop producing. When, when you're ready to quit, guess what? You, you, you stop persevering. And God's, God's desire for his people is that we would persevere to, until the very end. That there would never come a point in time in our life, in our Christian walk, where we say, you know what, I just can't do this anymore. Uh, that I, I can't have hope anymore. Listen, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of what's going on in our lives, no matter how difficult that it gets, we can always have hope. Uh, but, but the truth is we need to have hope in the right things. See, I, I, can't, I can't hope in man because man fails me. I can't hope in my circumstances because my circumstances can change at any moment. Uh, uh, I am not guaranteed another. Uh, I'm not guaranteed another day in my life. In fact, I'm not even guaranteed another hour of my life. I could fall over dead right now if that's what God wanted to happen. I'd feel bad for you all. That would be terrible. <laughs> but, but it could happen. I'm not guaranteed any of those things. What am I guaranteed right now, this moment, and I guarantee the promises of the word of God that will not ever change? And my hope needs to be in those things. And not in myself, not in what I can do, not in my finances, and not in my, not in my country, not in my president, not, not in the laws, not in, in none of those things. We can't have hope in those things. So let's look at, at, at uh, Simeon. We're going to look at Anna. And we're going to see some of these characteristics and see some of the things that they did that, that allowed them to have hope in this time in their life. Notice it says in verse 25, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout. And it says... He was waiting. Just and devout and waiting. First of all, I want to, I want to skip the first two and look at the word waiting. I already mentioned that this, is the, this word is the wait with expectation. He was waiting for the coming of this king. Why? Because he had a promise, according to the next verse, it says at the end of that verse says, for the consolation of Israel... And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He was waiting for the, 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 the coming of that Savior. He was waiting for the coming of the Messiah, for the fulfillment of the promises. Why was he waiting with expectation? Because it was God that had made the promises. He also had been inclined or been told by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he laid eyes on that child. He was an old man. This was the end of his life. Now, I don't know what he did with his life. We don't know who he was, whether he was a, whether he was a prophet, whether he was a priest, or whether he was just somebody who was, who was serving, in the, serving there, devoted unto God. But what we do know this is he was waiting for the fulfillment of the promise. What a blessing that is. He... Listen, there is a promise that God's given us. He came back once, or he came once. But can I tell you, he's coming back again. 
When, when Jesus died, uh, when we talk about Christmas, uh, uh, listen, it's not about the, the, the manger. It's not about the, uh, the story. Uh, Christ came so that he could save, the, save sinners. He came to die on the cross. And then the gospel is that he died and rose from, the, rose from the grave and then ascended up into heaven and now sits at the right hand of the Father. Uh, listen, uh, he, uh, when he ascended, do you remember what the angels said to the disciples or those that were there? Why stand you here gazing? He's coming back again. We get so caught up in the circumstances around that we forget that there are promises of God. We forget that he's coming back. We forget that he's given us a command or, 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 or what he would have us to do. And we don't get busy doing those things that God has called us to do. Listen, while we're waiting, we're not just supposed to stand here gazing. I don't see that in his life. Characteristics that we see here in, in Simeon. The first one is this: He's just. The word "just" means devout, or sorry, the word "just" means uh, justified or righteous. I got a problem with that. It doesn't mean that he was just a righteous person. Because what does the Bible tell us about? There is none righteous, no, not one. It doesn't mean that he just followed the law. Because there were a lot of people that followed the law. The Bible does not say we're just. You know what it's talking about? He was justified by faith. Romans chapter 3. Turn with me if you would. Keep your finger here because we'll be coming back. Romans chapter 3. Start reading in verse, we're going to start reading in verse 27. It says, where is boasting then? It, it is excluded. But what law, but by what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. What's it talking about? It's talking about our, our righteousness so that mentioned in verse 26. Therefore, we conclude, verse 28, that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. Verse 27 says, or yeah, verse 28 says that, that, we're, that we are justified by faith. Now, you have to remember, Jesus hasn't been born yet, and he hasn't died yet. But can I tell you, it's still faith that the people in the Old Testament were justified by? It, it, it wasn't, it wasn't necessary. They didn't know that he was going to die on the cross. They had the, the promises of God, the understanding that God had revealed to them, and they believed God. And the Bible says back in Genesis, back in Genesis, that Abraham believed God. It says this actually in, Romans, in chapter four, that Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So how could, how could this man who didn't know uh, about the cross, uh, look, he was justified because he was looking Forward to the cross, looking forward to a Messiah that God had promised. We're justified because we can look back and by faith believe what Jesus Christ did for us in the past. Whether before or after the cross, people were saved or people were justified by their faith. Okay, so, so, so what we're seeing here is that this description of justice, he was a man who had faith in God. We see the same thing in Anna. Look over to verse 30, Luke, Luke chapter 2, verse 37. 
So she was a widow about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple. But guess what? Served God with fasting and prayers night and day. She's serving God. Why? Because she has faith in him. He goes on in the next verse and talks about how she's, she's telling everybody of the redemption. She's a prophetess. She's somebody who has faith in God. For us to have hope in this world, the first thing that we need is faith. If you do not have faith in Jesus Christ, you can't have hope. You are, you are of all men hopeless. Now, don't misunderstand me. That, that hope is available. You can always place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But if you're not going to trust God, if you're not going to trust him, there's not hope in anything else. How many of your hope is in the, who sits in the presidential office? Nobody. That would be ridiculous. Especially considering who might be sitting in there. Actually, it doesn't matter who's sitting in there. It's still ridiculous to have your hope in the president. How many of your hope is in, in your situation, your financial situation? I can tell you that can, that can go from one way to the other. You can't have hope in that. In fact, you have no control over that. You could put millions of dollars in the bank, and suddenly the dollar, because, because of the way things go, uh, the dollar suddenly is worth nothing, and you have nothing. You can't put our hope in those things. But I'm strong and healthy and I know how to take care of myself. Your health can be gone in an instant. There's nothing in this world that we can have hope in other than in Jesus Christ. He is our hope. He is our life. He is the redeemer. He is the he is uh, he he is the one who's who who brings peace between us and God. Who who through his death on the cross uh, paid uh, paid for our sin. And, and, and listen, he he's the one who gives us everlasting and eternal life. We're not talking about just uh, that allows us. We're not promised necessarily good things or an easy life here on this earth. But we are promised life after, and that's something that this world cannot afford. Both. Simeon and Anna had the same characteristics. They, they had faith. They trusted the word of God. Next, they, we see they were devout. Described also, uh, Eli is also described, Eli. Simeon is described in verse 25 as devout. What does that word mean? Devoted. We get the same uh, sold out. Not only did he believe, but he gave up everything in his belief. Like he gave up himself to serve God. He was dedicated to the, to, the, to the service of God. He was devout. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, what do we know about Simeon? Uh, we don't know a whole lot. Uh, we do know that he has spent his life in the service of God. He's a prophet of God. Uh, and God is, and God, he's filled with the Spirit and serving uh, in, in the temple. And God, through the Holy Spirit, has led him to the temple. Well, I talked about the promise of God that we have. Jesus coming back. But what did Jesus say to 
say to those, through many parables, what do you say? Let's stay busy till he comes. God doesn't save us to sit around and sing kumbaya, to, to hold hands and and, and, and listen, that doesn't mean we don't have to fellowship and don't, mis, don't misunderstand me. Uh, uh, but, but God doesn't save us to come and, and fill us a seat. God saves us to serve. God doesn't save us so we can do what, what we want with our lives. God saves us so that he now owns us. Uh, uh, Anna is waiting, uh, is, has been waiting for and hoping in the redemption of Israel. The word redemption implies a few things. One, that we're in bondage. That Israel was in bondage. And they were in bondage, just like we're in bondage. Uh, Jesus told the Pharisees, the Israelites, that, that uh, anyone who's has ever, who's ever sinned is a, a servant of sin. Uh, we're in bondage as to sin. We're in bondage to that old flesh, that old man. But, but not only that, as a slave, as a bondservant of, of sin, uh, there's a cost to redeem us. Jesus Christ paid that cost when he died on the cross. Uh, 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 that cost was his, uh, was his death, his blood to pay for our righteousness. It's not our righteousness, it's his. That his righteousness be given unto us. So it implies there's a cost. It implies that, that Christ died. And on top of that, now it implies ownership. Because if you purchase something, it now belongs to you. Simeon is, is, is living a life devoted unto God because he by faith trusts in God and understands that he's been, that he now belongs to him and he's given his life over to him. Too many Christians today, especially in America, we're so, we're so bound up in what we want in our own lives that we forget that we belong to him. It becomes a hassle. To have to do something for the Lord. Uh, could he ask me, uh, could he ask any more of me? He's asked for all of you. Remember that verse back there in Romans 12? I quoted it. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice is not one who's tied up and forced onto the altar. A living sacrifice is one who climbs up on the altar all by himself and stays there. Christ gave his life for me. How could I give any less for him? Simeon was devoted. So was Anna. Verses here tell us that she had only been married for seven years. Now she's a widow of 84 years. Now whether she's 84 years old or she's been widowed for 84 years, I don't know exactly what that meant. One of the two. What's it tell us that she did? She was a widow indeed, according to, according to Titus. She was one who served in the temple. She was one who, the Bible tells us, she served in fastings and prayer. Can I, can I, that tells me she's devoted unto that God that she serves. The, the, the words, the, the, the Hebrew words indicate that, that uh, whether, I don't know whether she, they, they had a small apartment or a place for, for those people to live there, or whether, uh, or, or, or that she just gave her life to them and spent as much time there as possible. I don't, I, I'm not sure, but I, can I tell you she was there all the time? She was always praying, always fasting, always seeking God. We need people that, we need to be devoted like that. There's a reason Paul says to pray without ceasing. 
She was devoted, just like Simeon. She was justified by her faith. We need to be devoted. We need to be justified. Are we truly devoted to the cause of God? Are we, as Paul, de- Paul describes it, entangled? He says, the apostle says, a good soldier will not entangle himself again in the things of this world. What are the things of this world? Everything that goes against God. Less of the flesh, less of the eyes, pride of life, our careers, those temporal things, that, 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 those things that we can give ourselves to that don't bring honor and glory to God. Are we entangled with those things? Or are we devoted unto the God who saved us? Not only do we see that they were both justified or, or righteous, they were both devoted, but they were also both receptive of the Holy Spirit. They were both controlled by the Holy Spirit. Look down a little bit further in verse 25. At the very end it says, it says that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and it says, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. Then verse 26 says, and, he was, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. In verse 27, and he came by the Spirit. What's that indicate? That he was full of the Holy Spirit. That, that he was yielded to the working of the Holy Spirit in his life. And it says that the Holy Spirit was upon him. It says that the Spirit spoke to him. And he heard and he understood. It says that when the Spirit told him to go, he went. Listen, and the same thing can be said of Anna. Because she's not there when all this is taking place. She's serving the Lord in prayer. But she just happens to come in when Jesus... Understand what happened to Mary and Joseph bring in baby Jesus to be circumcised. And Simeon, who, who's been praying and, and waiting patiently and hoping to, to see it, having been told by God that you would not die until you see it. And listen, they walk in and he immediately knows this is the child out of every other child that's been brought in there. He knew this was the child. And he picked him up and he blessed that child and he blessed, he blessed Mary and Joseph. And, and then... Instantly, at the same time, the Bible says there that Anna came in and she began to thanking God at the same time. That did not happen by accident. She was led by the Spirit. We need Christians who are not only one saved, but devoted unto God and full of the Holy Spirit. When I say full of the Holy Spirit, we're all indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in the book of 1 John that if we don't have the Holy Spirit within us, or sorry, it's in Romans, if we don't have the Holy Spirit within us, then we are not of Him. 1 John tells us that we have an unction or an anointing of the Holy Spirit. As children of God, we have that. But to be filled with the Spirit means it means that we are yielded to the Spirit. You don't get any extra Holy Spirit. It's not like God's up there pouring it down into you a little bit, trying to find some empty space. We use those terms because we have to empty ourselves of ourselves. We're relinquishing control and yielding control to the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. If we're going to have hope, hope in the promises of God, hope in, in, in the Word of God, we need to want to be saved. 
Two, be devoted unto God. Three, be filled with the Holy Spirit and yielded to him in all aspects of our life. Why? Because when you're doing that, you're, we're much more sensitive to the moving of the Spirit. Why do we lose our joy? We just sing, how great our joy, joy, joy. I was joyful, didn't go any higher because I couldn't have sung any higher. Uh, uh, it's, uh, but why do we lose our joy? Because of sin. When, when, when we sin, what happens? We grieve the Holy Spirit. We quench the Holy Spirit. Suddenly our joy is gone because now we are not, we are not in fellowship with God. Do you want to be in fellowship with God? Be in your Bible. Be in prayer. Have a short, uh, short list of things you need to ask God forgiveness for. Keep it short. Any time you do something, ask God for forgiveness and, and mend that relationship and grow in the word of God and grow in your relationship with the Lord and God will bless you and God will use you. And listen, when you're, when you're studying the word of God and when you're growing in the word of God, your focus isn't going to be on the things of this world and the problems of this world. Your focus is going to be on what God has called you to do and you're going to have your eyes on the Savior trying to persevere. Hebrews tells us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I want us to look at I want us to look at what uh, what Simeon had to say, the prophecy that God revealed through him. Verse 25 says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout and waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death, for it seemed the Lord's Christ. Jump down to verse 28. Then, he took, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy words, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all, the, of all people, a light to light the Gentiles and the glory of the people of Israel. Verse 30, he, he declares that he's seen God's salvation. He's holding up a little child, a baby, but he understands because of the prophecies in the Old Testament that this was the Messiah, the Christ. This was the promised one. This was the king that would be king of kings and lord of lords, the one that we would worship and the one we would all serve. This was the child. Now, he may not have seen the cross. He, uh, he, he may not have seen uh, the resurrection, but he knew that this was the promised child of God. And he said, this is the salvation that you have promised us. I have seen it, and I can die, and I can die happy. He said, you promised that I'd see him, and Lord, I, I've seen him. I, I, I just want to praise you, God, and thank you, God, for that. Notice next he goes on to say, he says, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. What does that mean? He says, you, you told us you were going to do this. It's not hidden. It's not a secret. The only reason this is a secret to the people of Israel is because they weren't looking for it. They weren't looking for it. What do I mean by that? Do you remember when, when the, 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 the three wise men, or uh, we say three wise men, we don't know how many there were, we don't, but they, they came and they came to Herod. How did they know? It had to be written somewhere. 
My favorite theory, the one I, 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 the one I believe is true, that they came from the east, in the place of the, the Chaldeans and the Babylonians. Who went to Babylon? Israel did. With all their, uh, many of the, the, their writings were stolen and taken. But as far as people, remember Daniel? Who was, in the book of Daniel, we find how he was exalted above everybody else and placed head of the pharaohs and of the head of the magicians for the king. Those magicians were soothsayers, people who read the stars and tried to tell the future. What do you think Daniel taught them when he was the leader who was their head? I believe he taught them to understand those scriptures, that they were back looking for, those, for, the, for the fulfillment of those scriptures, and they got to see it. They knew about it. Now, remember, they, they come to Herod, and Herod said, hey, where is this, this, young, this baby supposed to be born? And he didn't ask them, because they weren't, they weren't telling him. He went to the people, to the, those who could read the, 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 the scriptures, the scribes, and they came back and said, well, this is when, this is how, they gave him the information he needed. How'd they find it? They looked for it. It wasn't hidden. Listen, the, the, the promises of God aren't hidden from us. They're given to us. We can have hope in the word of God if we look for it. Don't, don't, don't just trust what somebody else says. Don't just trust what I say. Look for it yourself. Study it yourself to show thyself approved unto God, a work of the need not to be ashamed. So that you can have hope, not in my words of what God has said, but what God has said to you, you don't need me. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us, is our teacher. It wasn't hidden. He goes on to say, verse 32, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. I praise God that this is true. The people of Israel thought Many of them still do think that the Messiah is for them. In fact, if you remember the apostles, they had a, Peter had a hard time when a, when a, when a Gentile got, would get saved. But God revealed to Peter and then made Paul the apostle to the Gentiles. Why? Because this prophecy is true, that Jesus was not there just to bring peace to Israel, but to bring redemption to the whole world. If that wasn't, if that wasn't true, there would be no redemption for you and I. I'm not Jewish, are you? For God so loved the world, the world, not Israel. That he gave his only begotten son. It doesn't matter what creed you come from, what background you have, what baggage you have, uh, what's your nationality. Uh, this, this prophecy here of Simeon tells us uh, that, that he has come to be a light uh, to, to all people. John chapter 1 tells us that he came as a light, uh, uh, to light uh, because we live in a dark place, and it's true. We, uh, not just here, everywhere is a dark place uh, and not worse today than it was before. Uh, light, uh, uh, darkness is just an absence of light and the less of Christ there is, the more darkness there is. But 
last part of his prophecy. We see Joseph and Mary's response. They marveled at the things. And I can't imagine. I've been thinking about this. I can't imagine their, their responses to all that's happened in the last nine months. I mean, this isn't the first that they've heard of this. This is just another thing being tacked on at the end of, of, the, birth, of the birth of this child. Uh, uh, angels coming to both of them and, and the revelation, the, the, the shepherds showing up, uh, the angels are singing, the, the stories of the angels. And I can't imagine this is just one more thing. That, but it says that they were amazed and they were awed with it. And then Simon blessed them and said unto Mary, Says, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of so ma- of many in Israel. I believe this is talking about two groups because it's it's it's, it's dividing. Says, some will be some will the, the fall of many and the rising of many. What is this talking about? I believe it's talking about those who accept and reject Christ. He is set for bringing about the fall of many. As they reject Christ, they will fall and they'll be separated from those who accept Christ. He was going to be a sign which would be spoken against. And that's exactly what happened when how many of the Pharisees, how many of the unbelievers spoke against him and rejected him because they didn't want anything to do with uh, with Christ and the message that he brought. Uh, listen, all these things were going to take place and they were all going to be fulfilled. And then lastly, he says this, uh, that, uh, yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. I can't imagine Mary's, Mary not, not fully understanding what he's talking about, but 33 years later as he, as he hung on a cross and she watched her son watched her son die that death and watched him, his side pierced with that spear. Listen, I can't imagine the, the, soul, the sword that pierced her own soul. But also that same sword, that same death, that same crucifixion would, would reveal the, the hearts and the minds of many. Listen, and they, their own sinfulness, their own wickedness, their own thoughts, and reveal to themselves who Jesus Christ was. What did the Roman soldiers say when Jesus Christ died? Surely, he is the Son of God. Do we understand what Christ did, what these prophecies are all about? He's, he's saying, this is the salvation that we've been waiting for. Anna says, this is the redemption. Now, we, we talked about the character, the, the character traits that they had that were the same. They also did a few things the same. And we, and we need to be doing these things as well. One. Let's see where I wrote my notes. There we are. One. They're waiting. But they're not just waiting around while they're waiting. They're serving while they're waiting. Anna, Anna served in fasting and prayers. As an 84-year-old woman, she may not have been doing, able to do anything else, but she could fast and pray. Simeon was serving God as, as a prophet of God and, and, do, and, and allowing the Spirit to lead and guide him. I, I don't know what all else he did, but I, I do believe that he was serving God and, 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 what, and, and doing what God was leading him to do. Listen, we need to be serving God while we're waiting. What did the apostles do when Jesus ascended up into heaven and they went back to that upper room? Did they just wait? No, they prayed. Then they replaced an apostle who was no longer there. 
They did those things that they knew that they were supposed to do. Uh, uh, they, they cast lots and they, cho- they chose, uh, they chose the, the apostles to replace uh, Judas uh, because the, the, the word of God uh, told them that they were to do that. So they did those things that they, that they, were, that they knew what they were to do. We cannot be just waiting for Jesus to come back. We cannot just be waiting around and hoping that one day it will happen and all my problems are going to go away. No, we need to persevere serving God while we wait. For sake of time, we'll go through these, go through these, these quickly. Secondly, we worship. We worship. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, look what, what they did. They, uh, he, sees, he sees this little child and he lifts him up with joy in his eyes and he begins to thank and praise God for what he did. He's worshiping the son. He's worshiping him. Anna does the same thing in verse, verse 38. She says, and she coming in that, in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord. They began to worship and they began to praise God while they were waiting in the midst of uncertain times, in the midst of all these problems that were going on. They're, they're, they're waiting and they're serving. They're, they're, they're they're, they're praising and they're worshiping. And lastly, they're doing this. They, they are witnessing. They're telling others about it. Guess, uh, look back with me to, to verse, verse uh, 31. He sees, he sees this little child. He says, he says, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, the glory of the people of Israel. He boldly proclaims the gospel that this is the one. And Anna, when she, when she hears, hears of this, and, or sees this, and praises God herself, there in verse, verse 38 it says, uh, And spake of him to all that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Simeon and Anna, they're telling everybody that they know about that the Savior's been born, the Messiah, the one that we've been waiting for. He's here. They're not keeping it quiet. They're not saying, I can't wait till he grows up, takes the throne. They didn't know what was going to happen. Simeon says, praise you, thank you, God. He proudly proclaims, boldly proclaims that he is the Savior. Anna tells everybody, he was looking for redemption. Have you heard? Zach, have you heard? The Messiah has been born. Anybody that one is looking for it, anybody, I have seen it. This is witnessing. As Christians today, in 2020 or whatever the year is, it doesn't matter what year it is, we're getting ready to go in 2021. Let me say this. The things aren't going to turn around as soon as the clocks, the, 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 we switch calendars. We all want things to go back to normal. I, I like normal. They weren't waiting for normal. They were waiting for Jesus. They weren't saying, I'll be happy when things go back to, go back to, uh, they were, they want, they want, they wanted Christ. That's what they were longing for. That's what they were waiting for. I can't wait till I don't have to wear a mask anymore, but you know what? If I have to wear a mask to preach for the next 75 years, that would make me really old. I'll wear a mask. I don't care. You know why? Because I get to still proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that there is still hope in him. I don't know what's going to happen next year. 
but I know where my hope lies. I don't know what's going to happen next week. <laughs> but I know where my hope lies. And regardless of what happens and how hard things get and how many, how many more restrictions, listen, it, it, I'll, I'll be honest, I truly believe it's going to get a whole lot worse for the church and for Christians in the next, in the next decade. And not just because Biden might, be, might have won. I just believe God's working, God's in control. We've been fortunate, we've been blessed in this country to have the freedoms that we have. And we've taken it for granted for so long. But regardless of what freedoms we might lose, regardless of, of what persecutions or pandemics or wars we might see, our hope is in Christ. And let's, get, let, let's put our faith in that. Let's put our, our hope in that. Let's get busy serving God right where we're at. Don't say, I'm going to wait until it gets a little bit better and easier. No, let's do it now because it may not ever get any better or easier. For all we know, another pandemic is going to take place, another virus is going to escape, or, or something's going to happen that's going to put things even harder. Let's not put things off anymore. Serve God now, right where you are. Trust God that he'll give you the strength that you need to get through this. You know that the Bible, I believe it's Isaiah 40. I wrote it down, but I think it's Isaiah 40, verse 3. I might be wrong. And if I am, I think I left the, that piece of paper. God ties... Hope and waiting together. That is not, that's not the one. I wasn't, no, I, I know that's that one specifically. It's, that, that's where he strengthens us. It's a, it, it talks about us waiting. Uh, on the Lord, this is our hope is on our hope is in God. That's okay. It's I'll I'll find it and share it in that afternoon service. So come back and listen. But regardless of what happens, our hope is in the Lord. Listen, you can, I as far as I know, everybody here is saved. I, I can't I can't tell tell you that for sure. But if you're without hope, if you don't have any hope, you can't hope in Jesus Christ. You place your trust in him and in him alone. Without Christ, there is no hope. That's, just, that's where we're at. Without Christ, there is no hope. So if you're not saved, I encourage you to get saved. Maybe, maybe today you just feel like you're overwhelmed. Hope in the Lord. Get busy. Because guess what? He's going to keep his promises and one day he's coming back. And I don't want to be the, the servant that he finds wanting. I want to be the servant he finds faithful. Let's close in prayer. Father God, I thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, that as we wait that we'd serve. Lord, I pray that you'd help us that while, while we're serving, that we're witnessing. Lord, help us keep our eyes upon you, looking at, the, your, at your word and at your promises. Helping us to rest in you 
and have our hope in you, Father. We know that, uh, that uh, it's been an interesting year for us, Lord, but you're not surprised by any of it, Father. It's all within those things that you've allowed to happen. And God, I pray that you would just watch over us. Lord, help us not to quit. Help us not to give up. Lord, help us not to become, become overwhelmed, but help us to trust in you. Father, we thank you for your love, mercy, and grace. May you have your hand upon us for the rest of this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.